Pastor Xavier Reese and the simple truths about experience and the Bible. When you go before the judgment seat of Christ and I go there, do you realize that God will only hold you and myself responsible for what's in this book? It's not going to be through your visions, your dreams, your signs and wonders, your barking in the spirit or growling like some kind of bear. It's what does the Word of God say to you and hold you responsible for? Nothing but His Word. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. One of the essential ingredients for the success of any organization or country is a good constitution. Without it, there's chaos and confusion. Today, Pastor Xavier takes us back to the Old Testament book of Nehemiah as he shares on the importance of following the greatest constitution ever, the Word of God. He brings us this simple truth in today's message. Let's listen. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 1 through 12, and the message is entitled, A Call to the Word. Uh, Nehemiah shows us that a call to the Word is first of all realized by personal hunger for the Word. And you find that from the middle of the last verse all the way down to verse 3 of chapter 8. Secondly, it's beneficial by proper exposition of the Word. Verses 4 through 8. And thirdly, it results in penetrating conviction of the Word. Verse 9 through 12. Notice first in verse 1 there, which is the middle portion of the previous verse, that all the people gathered together as one man and told Ezra to bring the law of Moses. It was in the seventh month they all gathered there. The emphasis is on being of one mind, purpose, desiring God's word here. You have the whole congregation. Remember, they've been in captivity for 70 years. They've even been 13 years here without any progress. And all of a sudden, Nehemiah has come back. And they're all gathered there with one mind, one purpose, one desire. What is it? It's to hear the Word of God. The occasion is just weeks after the completion of the wall, which you get in chapter 6, verse 5. God had been working. They had seen God work. And they're hungry for God, the Word. They knew that they were free from captivity. And in the land, the walls were built now. But if they didn't return to the Word of God, they know that they would go back into the captivity, bondage, and destruction. You see, it's only the Word of God that will keep you from going back into bondage to where you came from. God brought you out of whatever it may be, whether it be living with someone, whether it be from running around or drugs or alcohol or pornography, whatever it may be. But if you do not hunger after the Word, and that's what's your desire and your hunger. Before you know it, the old cravings will come back, will they not? You see, God gives you a new hunger. And as you are feeding off the Word, then you are developing and growing from that grace and that mercy and that feeding of the Word. So there's got to be that constant. Jesus said that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. As a deer pants... Longs after the water brook, so longs my soul after you, O God. Psalm 42, 1. The Word of God. You see, a call to the Word is realized by personal hunger for the Word. 
personal hunger for the Word, do you have it? Are you cultivating it? It's important. Secondly, a call to the Word is beneficial by proper exposition. You find this in verses 4 through 8. It's beneficial by proper exposition. And what I mean by proper exposition, I mean by proper handling of the text. So as to bring about the meaning of the life situation when written and the meaning of life situation then made application for today. The first and the foremost task of any and every expositor is to find out what the meaning of the text was for that day and for those people. And once you discover the meaning for them, then we can make the crossover to application for today. And if we have to make some adjustment in cultural, that fine. But you must find out what it meant for them. Context, language, historical background will give you that understanding. Very important. That's a big word called general hermeneutics, the science of interpretation. Proper exposition is expository. Listen to what it says here, 7 and 8. And Joshua, Benai, and all these guys, they helped the people to understand the law, and the people stood in their places, so they read distinctly from the book in the law of God, and they gave the sense and helped them to understand the reading. Notice first, he read distinctly. The root word means to separate, to show. Then he gave the sense from the word intelligence, in other words, the meaning. And then thirdly, he helped them to understand the reading, to separate mentally and distinguish and apply it to life. Isn't that what I always do as your teacher? I tell you what it, uh, what it says when I read it. Then I tell you what it means as I do exposition. And then I tell you how you can apply it, right? What does it say? What does it mean? Then I illustrate it, and then I apply it. This is excellent exposition. Remember, they had lost their language in the 70-year captivity, and, and these guys, they're helping them understand, and they're translating for them because they've lost their language. And they're teaching them. They're patient. They're guiding them. They're, they're, they're opening the scriptures up to them. That's what teaching is about. It's not to impress you, but it's to help you see. It's to see the joy and, and just the excitement in your heart because you grow, you get strong, and then you can teach others. That's what it's all about. And so they had lost their Hebrew tongue. They learn Aramaic during the 70-year captivity. They very, very carefully read distinctly from the book what it says. And they gave the sense. They gave the interpretation. What does it mean? And they helped them to understand the reading. They made application. Oh, that's good. And that's all that a teacher, an expositor, is responsible to do. Martin Luther said, I study my Bible as I gather apples. First I shake the whole tree that the ripest might fall. Then I shake each limb. And when I have shaken each limb, I shake each branch and every twig. Then I look under every leaf. I search the Bible as, as a whole, like shaking the whole tree. Then I shake every limb. I study book after book. Then I shake every branch, giving attention to the chapter when they do not break in sense. Then I shake every twig or a careful study of the paragraphs, the sentences, and the words and their meaning. 
You cannot just get by with casual reading. You need to spend time in the Word. A call, an anointing, is not to be determined by degrees and academic achievement. That's a caution. But by God's gifts. There is such a, a, a trap sometimes where people think that the only ones who are qualified to teach are those who have been to cemetery. Not so. Now, I have nothing against seminaries. I have nothing against teaching or uh, others or education. But I don't believe it's for everybody. I believe that you as an individual have to go to God and let God direct you. Some people, God would not have to go. God will do all the teaching for them. He will do the training. Spurgeon is a classic example. Never went. Many of great pastors and teachers have been like that. Other men have been allowed by God to do it. And God has blessed it. So the danger is in thinking that it's the credentials and the academics that make you an anointed teacher. Let me tell you, I would rather sit under a called and anointed teacher who knows no Greek, no Hebrew, has not had any more than a high school education if he's called anointed, and I can learn more from him than from someone who has gone to seminary and knows Greek, knows Hebrew, and is not anointed and is not called. Any day. But now, you get someone who's called, someone who's anointed, and God is going to allow them to get some tools, some education, and the man remains faithful to tr trusting and depending God and not the tools and the education. Now you've got a man that can really do some damage. See? So it depends on what God is calling you to do. But don't ever depend upon your education and neglect the anointing and the call. Never. Never. Ezra is called. His mission is very, very clear in Ezra chapter 7, verse 6. And let me read that for you. Um, Ezra 7, verse 6. It says, And Ezra came up from Babylon, and he was a skilled scribe in the law of Moses, which the Lord God of Israel had given. And then also in verse 10, he says, For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord, and to do it, and to teach statutes and ordinance in Israel. And the last one you can read on your own is verse 25. Now, the church is equipped with such men. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Pastor, teachers, evangelists, so on and so forth. 1 Timothy 4, 13, it speaks about the task of a pastor teacher. 1 Timothy 4, 13. It's much what we read here. Listen to him. Till I come, give attention to reading, exhortation, and doctrine. There's exposition. So you have it in Nehemiah, and you have it here in Timothy. We're to show ourselves approved unto God. We don't have to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, 2 Timothy 2.15. Everybody, not just the pastor, teacher, every one of us, we're to study, we're to be students of the word of God. Proper exposition will always produce and point me to the true worship of God. Always. Now you get wrong exposition and it leads me to a wrong worship of God, Right? You get people who are expounding the word of God wrong and they start teaching people that they are to bark in the spirit, that they are to growl like lions. 
They think they're worshiping God, and I'm not, I'm not here to mock. They really are sincere, some of them. How did they get to that? Because of wrong exposition. Proper exposition will always produce and point me to the true worship of God. Did not Jesus Christ tell the woman of Samaria, you do not know what you worship, but they, those that worship God must worship Him in spirit and truth in John 4, 22-24? In spirit means the Holy Spirit. In truth means the Word of God. The Spirit and the Word are one. We touched on that this morning. They're inseparable. Prayer and the Word and the Spirit illuminates it. They're inseparable. Because God never contradicts His Word. And the Holy Spirit will only confirm what He's given to us in His Word. When you go before the judgment seat of Christ and I go there, do you realize that God will only hold you and myself responsible for what's in this book? God's not going to pull out another little book and say, Aha, here's the test now. No, no, no. He's going to hold you responsible for only this book. The final test comes from here. Nowhere else. It's not going to be through your visions, your dreams, your signs and wonders, your barking in the spirit or growling like some kind of bear. Is what does the word of God say to you and hold you responsible for? That's what God will hold me responsible for. Nothing but his word. Proper exposition will be expository. And God's people should expect to learn what the scriptures say, what it means, and how it applies to their life. That's proper exposition. Too many, as I said, twist the scriptures for their own benefit. They want to pump you up spiritually. They want to build you into excitement, and, and they got to have a better show next week. And so you go from one thing to another. And if you've been around the Christian community for a while, you know that uh, it just keeps going uh, from bad to worse, and it goes from one thing to another, uh, and it never stops. And, 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 and God doesn't want that. God doesn't want you to be like a child tossed to and fro with every wind of dog. He wants you to be stable, rooted, where you can say, no, 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 that is not scriptural. Or you may say, well, you, you mind showing me where that is in scripture, in its context? Oh, well, you, you're, you're, you're too basic. You're not deep like us. Oh, really? It's interesting what we call a spiritual exposition. Some of the exposition is an insult to God's word. They're just lazy. And they rather just lead to their emotions and their experience and their stories. You have to be careful. He hasn't called us to be spiritual cheerleaders. He's called us to teach the word of God. And let God deal with the people's heart. And so a call to the word is beneficial by proper exposition. Proper exposition. Third and last, a call to the word results in penetrating conviction of the word. It results in penetrating conviction of the word. Notice first in verse 9, all the people mourned and wept when they heard the words of the law. You see, the word was expounded and it brought conviction, not condemnation. I have no right to get behind this pulpit and with the intent to bring some condemnation on you or a group. I am here to expound the word of God. And if God uses that word in your life to convict you, he does that to have you repent and to restore you. That's what the proper exposition of God's word is for. 
to show you your error and to turn you around. All the people. Secondly, here, we're told to center on the joy of the Lord, for it was their strength. It was their strength. You see, if we're not careful, we can center our attention and our feelings on so many other things, and, and we get carried away by our emotions, right? He tells them here, listen, go your way, eat and drink, and, and send portions that are prepared. And for this day is holy to the Lord. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Why? Because they had received the true conviction of the Spirit of God and manifested outwardly as evidence of godly sorrow. The very response outwardly was a demonstration of the inward sorrow. Now, is that always true? Can I always judge that? No. Sometimes people cry tears, but they're not repentant in heart, right? But at least I see some outward manifestation. I can say, well, you know, it looks like they're repentant, and then time will let me know because I can't see the heart. Secondly, because God had heard them and forgiven them. You see? The Spirit convicted them as the word went forth. They repented in tears and all this, and God heard them. And thirdly, because now they had fellowship with God. They heard at the water gate, and often water is symbolic of the word of God in Scripture. John 15, 3, Jesus says, You are cleansed by the words I have spoken unto you. Ephesians 5, 26 says, He will present to himself a bride without spot, wrinkle, or any such thing by the washing of the water by the word. This is what the Word of God does. It brings conviction, and conviction brings repentance, and repentance brings restoration, and restoration brings fellowship with God. Oh. Notice third and last in verse 12. All the people rejoiced greatly because they, what? Understood the words declared to them. What a joy when we understand what God desires for our lives, huh? All of a sudden, you know, we're, we're sitting under the teaching of the Word of God and, and God just nails us. And for the first time, that scripture has become alive. And God says, now this I want you to do. And you understand it for the first time. And you say, all right, Lord. That's the whole purpose of exposition. And studying and teaching the Word. A singular shrub called the sorrowful tree grows on an island near the city of Bombay in India. At sunset, no flowers are to be seen on it. But half an hour later, the tree is full of blossoms. These yield a sweet odor, but when the sun begins to shine on them, they either fall off or they close up. And thus it continues flowering in the night during the entire year. Many of our sorrows and convictions will yield a sweet odor and fragrance to our lives that will never be experienced by joy. Remember that. You will hate them at the time, but years after, you will never trade those experiences for anything because it's through those difficult times and those sorrowful times that God is by your side and you become more like Him and you receive some of the most incredible comfort in your entire life. A sweet aroma a sweet fellowship. True and godly repentance is through the word which shows our failure to hit the mark. I try to convict you or to convince you of your evil, you get mad at me. That's the work of the Holy Spirit as the word goes forth. 
Mourning and weeping is legitimate, but it doesn't mean that it's authentic right off the bat. And it doesn't mean that we are to remain there. Sometimes people come out of heavy lifestyles and God saves them and they continue to sorrow over their past. Listen, that's an insult to the grace and the love of Jesus Christ. If God has cleansed you and made you white as snow, why are you moping and why are you gloomy? It's all right when tears come of joy for repentance, but don't remain there. That you're always condemning yourself. Well, I, I just don't, you know, I just can't forgive myself. Come on, you can't forgive yourself. Sure, you can forgive yourself. Don't spit in God's face. He's made you white as snow. Don't look back or you'll crash. When you drive, you look forward. You've got no business looking backward. And you certainly have no business fishing where you don't belong. He buries your sin in the deepest ocean and he puts a sign there, no fishing. You, the shrink, or anybody else. He's made you a brand new creature in Christ. Now what's your problem? The joy that will result from conviction and repentance will become the strength for your life. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Joy is the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5.22. It's the work of God's Spirit in your heart, knowing that you're a new creature, knowing you have a heart of flesh, knowing you have the mind of Christ, knowing that now you belong to Him. It's the work of the Spirit in your life, people. Listen, we all go through difficult times. We all have bum days. We all have days that Satan wants to beat us up, right? I'm no exception. But don't sit down. It's easy to hit a, a sitting target. Move. Run the race. And whatever is wrong, fix it while you're running. You cannot sit on the sidelines. He'll come by and he'll knock your lights out. Run the race and fix what's wrong while you're running in the race. Great rejoicing comes from knowing that my life is in accord with the scriptures and I understand God's word. That is where great rejoicing comes from. That what I'm hearing, I am yielding and submitting myself to. And that's the great joy, that I am walking with God. I am doing all that I can to let God do for me what I cannot do for myself. That is exciting. But I live in the sinful world, right? And I live in the sinful sin nature that's in me, in this body, right? The body is not sinful, but it's my sin nature. But God has equipped me. And I can do warfare. And I can put on the armor. And I can put on the mind of Christ. And I can just saturate myself with the word of God. And I can stand strong in the word and the authority of God's word. And so a call to the word results in penetrating conviction of the word. You see, it convicts us. We don't just sit to get information and want to be walking in encyclopedias. It's so that it convicts us. Why do we go in front of a mirror? To fix what's wrong. <laughs> we don't just go there to, to ignore it. We get in front of a mirror to obey it. That's the Word of God. It's our spiritual mirror. When it shows you what's wrong, fix it. And walk away rejoicing. 
And so a call to the Word is realized by personal hunger for the, God's Word. It's beneficial by proper exposition of God's Word. And it results in penetrating conviction of God's Word. This is a call to the Word. Pastor Xavier Reese and the deliberate path the Word of God takes in order to transform your life. Now you can hear this message again if you like online anytime by selecting today's date under the radio tab at calvarychapelpasadena.com. And this encouraging lesson is available on CD for just $4. The title of the request is A Call to the Word. And this also includes what Pastor Xavier shared with us the last time we were together as well. And once again, the title to ask for is A Call to the Word. Or simply mention today's date. And you can request your copy by writing Simple Truths. 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Again, that's Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please include the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us monitor the effectiveness of this outreach. Does your environment influence your vulnerability to sin? Find out when you tune into the next edition of Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com